and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Man, has anyone noticed in the first chapter of Genesis, specifically in verse 26, it says this, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image. Let us, everyone say us, let us make human beings in our, say our, image to be like us. Okay, they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Now, maybe you read this verse and you're gripped by the amount of authority that God has given man. But when I read this verse, the thing that I'm most gripped by, the thing that I'm most taken back by is the way in which God refers to himself. Strange. Let us. Who's us? Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Have any of y'all never seen that before? Interesting. If God is God and he's the Alpha and Omega, there are no other gods other than him, right? No gods before him, no gods after him. Then why might God be referring to himself as us? Now, most of us know because we've been in church long enough. It's because God has eternally existed is God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different points in the scriptures where we see all three persons have equally, eternally existed, and although they are three different persons, they all make up the same being God. This is what we know as the Trinity. This, this is the thing that y'all are excited you don't have to explain this morning. Praise God, <laughs> right? So there's a couple of verses that I feel like help us to understand this because it really is complex and it really is difficult to to wrap our minds around and to understand. But I think a great place to start is is in John chapter one. Now we've read a lot of these verses together, but I just want to review and bring clarity because it's so important that that we see the Trinity is highlighted very clearly in the scriptures. So I just want to bring to light some of those scriptures. John one, verse first couple of verses in John chapter one. In the beginning, the word already existed. Now the word here is referencing Jesus. So it could almost just read like this. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. So if we think that Jesus started existing when he popped out of Mary, that is wrong. Jesus has existed since before creation ever began. In fact, all things were created through him and for him. In the beginning, Jesus, the word already existed. The word was with God, but also the word was God. Jesus was with God, but Jesus also was God. It's important. He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. Okay, so we see that the two have existed, but that they are also each other. Is that fair? Everyone said, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Colossians, it breaks down the supremacy of Christ as well. Again, we, we get a peek into the dynamic of the Trinity here. It says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. And he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Again, we see that Christ has always existed eternally. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. 
He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in an unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Let me tell you this. If Jesus isn't in your life, if Jesus isn't the Lord of your life, you will always be missing the very purpose for which you were created. Because here's the secret. All things you sitting in here with breath in your lungs, you in here alive, you were created through him and you were created for him. And that's so much of what our heart is, is, is to connect you back with your creator because it's the very reason for which you've been given breath in your lungs. It's the very reason for which you've been gifted. It's the very reason for which you exist on earth. We were created through him and created for him. If you agree, say amen. It says this, for God in all his fullness... Or I skipped a little bit. I'm, I'm going to go back. All things were created through him and for him. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. Wow. Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God, this is, and, and here it is where we begin to see this this trinity at work, and we don't even fully understand it, yet we see it laid out in the scriptures, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. There we can see in those two passages, we see very clearly that the Father and the Son, yes, are, are separate persons, yet they are the same being that are in perfect harmony with each other, working together and for each other. And then we see in John 16, uh, and, and we talked about this verse in our There Is More series, Breaking Down the Holy Spirit. We, we see Jesus begin to talk about the involvement of the Spirit in a lot of this as well. So let's look at this. John 16, verse 12 through 15. Y'all just stay awake for the first half, and, the, and then we'll get into some of the good stuff after. Y'all good? Okay. So John 16, verse 12. There is so much more I want to tell you. This is Jesus. He's, he's communing. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't even bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. And he won't speak on his own, but he will tell you what he's heard. So we can see that even Jesus is at work through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is carrying what he's been given to deliver, okay? So the Holy Spirit is on assignment. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. And we learned, and there, and more, and there is more, that the Holy Spirit is on assignment from Jesus. This is deep. He'll bring me glory by telling me whatever he receives from you. All that belongs to the Father. So here we got Dad, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All God, all carrying out the work of God, all accomplishing his will, carrying out his task. Yet there, there's three persons, yet one being, working in perfect harmony, and perfect unity. Come on, y'all saw where I was going. He will bring me glory. All that belongs to the Father is mine. So we see the Father gives Jesus authority. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit on assignment. This is why I tell you, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. 
And something that's so important to understand is it's not that there was one God who manifested at different times in different forms. We need to come into agreement with the revelation that God is three persons, one being, eternally Father, eternally Son, eternally Holy Spirit. Matthew 3, 16 through 17, after Jesus' baptisms, or, or, or check this out, it's at, Jesus, it's at the scene of Jesus' baptism where in the scriptures themselves, we see the Trinity existing in, in a moment in time. We see all the Trinity at work in, in a moment of time, just clearly. It says this, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, so we have the Son, Jesus, who is present, the heavens were opened, and he saw the who? The Spirit of God descending like a dove. So here's the Holy Spirit, right? Settling on him. And a voice from heaven, who we recognize as the Father, said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. There we see it. They've eternally existed. God is three persons, one being, the Trinity. Now, I get all this ain't necessarily sexy, you know, but it's important for us to know as Christians. Paul closes out his, his letter, uh, his last letter to the Corinthians that we have record of. Verse 14, chapter 13, verse 14, he says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, so there's Jesus, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And we can't have those three things at the same time if they don't all exist together. So I just want to read that again, just so we don't miss it. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The Trinity, right? If those three persons didn't equally and eternally exist, it would be impossible for those three things to exist in the life of a believer. God exists as a Trinity. God is one being that has eternally existed as three persons, yet work in perfect harmony and unison together. So the God we serve, when we ask the church, when we talk to the church about unity, we serve a God that is a literal demonstration of unity himself. He, he, it's almost as if he works in a communitive, I just made that word up, way, okay? The Trinity, here's my first point on the day. The Trinity is our model for unity. Now, not only is the Trinity our model for unity, but in the same way the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit make up God, I think it's important to note the scriptures teach us that we, the church, you and I, we make up the body of Christ. We, we're, we're referenced to as the body. Paul writes about this in his first letter to the Corinthians. Check this out. He says this, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles. He's saying the body of Christ is people. We're the hands and feet of Jesus, right? You and I, we got to come together. We got to be united because we make up one body. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. We all share the same spirit. There is one spirit at work and you and I carrying out our work is the body of Jesus, the body, the hands and feet. Yes, verse 14, the body is many different parts, not just one part. So if the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. 
And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, who, 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 how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Wait a minute, why, why, hold on. Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? We don't smell with our ears. Did I get that wrong in the text? How, how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? I don't know why it says like that. It should be a nose, right? We'll carry on. Verse 18. <laughs> but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. So to recognize that we're all a part of the body, but my role might be different than your role. And I just wonder if sometimes do we reflect on, on the way that God's wired us, knit us together, and we think, man, I'm an ear. And I wanted to be the nose, but apparently these ears can smell, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. We need to recognize that God's knit us together, God's wired us, gifted us uniquely in that way to play our role in the body. Verse 19, how strange a body would be if we all only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. So my second point, and, and where I want to park for a little while here, is uh, unity begins when we recognize we're incomplete without each other. Unity begins when we're incomplete without each other. Now, I know most of you who were maybe here a few weeks back, uh, Pastor Ryan brought a word on the spiritual gifts. And that morning I came in and I just really did not feel well. And I, and I felt like if I was to come up and try to muster out, muster up, you know, hammer out two messages, it was just my pride saying, dude, like I just felt like my body was saying, hey, not today. Like we're not doing this. And there was just a, you know, a, a lot going on. And, uh, but I was so excited to communicate that message because it was something that had been burning a hole in my heart for so long. And, and I wanted to preach and teach on the spiritual gifts. And uh, so Pastor Ryan came up here with about 20 minutes notice and, you know, brought a strong word. And, uh, you know, while we were in this series, I saw another opportunity to communicate similar content. And I said, I'm taking that opportunity. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to talk about it again. Is that okay? Come on, God's word is always good. Amen. So if there's a little deja vu this morning, that's why. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. We have to recognize that we're incomplete without each other because God's gifted you in specific ways. God's gifted me in specific ways. And so much of what makes us a hand, foot, ear, eye, whatever, is the way in which we've been gifted. Specifically with spiritual gifts in the body as well. So in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, Paul writes this, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your questions about special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Paul's saying, listen, church, this is important. I, I don't want you to misunderstand it. I don't want you to abuse it. But, but also when, when, when we carry this out in a way that glorifies God, this is a beautiful thing that happens amongst the church. So first and foremost, right off the bat, we learn that the Spirit of God gives us special abilities. That's pretty cool. Can we shout amen right there? Amen. That the Spirit of God gives us special abilities. And Paul wants the church to understand these abilities. And y'all need to receive revelation this morning that God has gifted you in unique ways. Yeah. 
And maybe it's unclear. Maybe you don't have a ton of clarity on what that looks like, but I want you to know it is God's word. It is truth. If you're a believer in the room, you have a spiritual gift in you that is to be utilized to help the body. So we need to eagerly desire these things, pray for these things, ask for these things. God, I want to fulfill my role that you have for me in the body. Illuminate to me what my spiritual gifting is. And and God, I, I don't care what it is. In fact, I want all of them. Give me all of them, God. If you have it, I want it. If there's more, I want it. But whatever you give me, I'm good with, God. Bring clarity to me. What is it? It's his heart that we would eagerly desire these gifts. And I honestly believe that there's people in this body who have spiritual gifts laying dormant in you right now because you've never asked, you've never sought, you've never knocked. Maybe never even be open to the fact that maybe that's you or maybe you've never even acknowledged that everybody in the body just has gifts. You think it's just Pastor Mark who's supposed to be gifted and it couldn't be more wrong. If the church is going to live in the power of the spirit, if the church is going to live in the power of God, then then if the church is going to be effective in its kingdom work, we need the people of God activated in their spiritual giftings. So just a few verses down from uh, what I just read here, Paul continues addressing the whole spiritual gifts thing. Verse four, he says this, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts but the spirit is the source of them all. So it's the spirit of work. It's the spirit at work in all of us, right? There are different kinds of service, but we all serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. And then check this out, verse seven, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. We need, we need to purify our perspective in our role in the body, us operating in our gift, because for God to get the glory, we have to remember, I'm not the source. I, I'm not the source. Whatever gift that I'm given, it's a gift. It is not my own, but it is intended. It has been bestowed upon me to bring him glory, to help my brothers and sisters in the community that I'm a part of. We need to solidify in our souls. I'm not the source, I'm the servant. I'm not the source, I'm the receptor. I'm not the source, I'm just the son. And my father has equipped me through the power of his spirit to accomplish some kingdom work. I think something we also need to recognize is there's different gifts. And this is huge. And this is something I just want to continue to drill into your head and your hearts. We need to discern the difference between our contentment in those gifts and our complacency in those gifts. And and here's what I mean by that. I'm going to go a little off script, but I I think sometimes uh, there's a difference between, hey, this is very obviously how God has gifted me, and this is very obviously my contribution. So I'm not complacent in the fact that I'm not going to continue to ask for more. Or, or I'm going to continue to ask for more. I'm going to continue to seek more. I'm going to pray that God would utilize me in more ways than one. I'm going to eagerly desire the gifts because the scriptures tell me to. So I, I, I'm content. I'm happy. This is, this is good. But, but I'm not complacent where, if, you know, this is, this is all it's going to be. We, we need to remain hungry, right? We, we need to continue to ask for more. So... It, contentment in those gifts and complacency in those gifts is different. And, and, and you can write this down. It's hard to be content if we constantly compare. 
if I'm looking around at everybody else's gifts except my own, it's going to be really hard to be content in those giftings. And it's hard to be complacent in those gifts if I'm constantly craving more. Okay? So it's hard to be content when I envy everyone else's gift. Because remember, Peter told us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, gift, it means gift. And I think a perfect example of this, and we've talked about this in weeks past, but in the beginning of the book of Acts, um, you know, the widows are arguing and they're fighting and there's, there's some conflict in, in the camp. So they, they designate to seven guys to oversee the bread ministry. Okay, really simple, re- really simple service. They, but they want these guys to be full of the Holy Spirit, good men, good Christian men. And they, and they oversee the bread ministry. And there's one of the guys, his name is Philip. So I think that's like, uh, that's early on in Acts, first couple of chapters. And then way down the road, I think it's like in Acts 20, you see that Philip is now Philip the evangelist. And it's, and it's this, like he has this whole spiritual title. And, and it's just a testament to the fact that, listen, what you were in 2015, what your gifting looked like in 2015 may not be the same or, or there may be the same and more in 2020 because we sought and we craved and we asked and God developed some things in us through trials and, and, and through prayer and, and our relationship with him and encounters with him. Romans 12 goes on to talk about some more of this. For by, great, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So you can see that God has distributed to each of you, right? For just as each of us has one body with many members, and, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, though there's a lot of us, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. So you and I, we make up the body. We have a role to play in this body. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. My gifting is not going to look like your gifting and that's okay. But what's not okay is when you look at my gifting or I look at your gifting and we begin to envy each other or we begin to get discouraged thinking my gift doesn't look like that or, or my gift isn't, ah, I feel like I have that gift, but it's not as strong as that gift, right? This is, this is understanding we are where we are. We're growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then he goes on to say, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. If you got, and, and here's what I'm nervous of, what, I, what I've recognized with a gift, it, it, or there's two parts that sort of make up our calling in the body. And I think it's, I think it's our gifting, but I th- also think it's our character. And I think some of us, we, we envy, sometimes we grow jealous of gifts that our character is not ready to sustain us at. And, and so what I mean by that is if you, were, if you were to get a gift in a certain capacity right off the bat, you may, it, your, your gift will take you places. Your, 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 gift, it, your gift might carry you places and give you opportunity, but you may not have character to sustain it. 
So maybe if you, if you got this gift or that gift uh, uh, before it was God's timing for you to have that gift, you know, maybe you grow prideful. So trusting that God is developing me in his timing, I'm remaining hungry, I'm seeking him, I'm asking him for more, but also it's like, I, I, want, I want my character to sustain where my gift might take me, what opportunities my gift might give me. Listen, maybe right now you, you have a strong spiritual gift in, in serving or in generosity, but you're, but you're too distracted by the teaching gift you crave, but haven't grown into yet. And you're, you're so distracted that you're not even glorifying God and serving the body with the gifts that he has given you. And I think sometimes we can categorize these and, and crave one more than the other. And it becomes like, you know, and, and this is where our disunity comes. And if we're going to be unified, I got to be content in, in my role, content in my gifting, but constantly craving more. God, if you have more, I want to walk in it. First Corinthians 12, 22 says, in fact, some, I, I love this scripture. It says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And I think another misconception we, we can get into is that, that 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 becomes more important than that. But God's at work through all of these different roles. And, and, and because like I read this, and this scripture liberates us to be content with whatever our role looks like. So quit looking around, envying everyone else's gift and praise God for what he has graced you with. But in that contentment, continue to crave more. Again, the scriptures tell us eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Luke wrote out in his gospel that Jesus said, how much more, and we talked about this in our last series, how much more will the Holy Spirit give to those who ask? How much more will he give to those who ask? James told us if you ask for wisdom, God will pour it out generously without finding fault in you. And I just wonder, just speaking to my church for a second, do you ever go into prayer and say, God, I, I, want, you to, I want you to reveal gifts and I want you to give spiritual gifts to me so I can be effective in my kingdom work, so I can fulfill my role in the body. Do y'all ever go into your prayer and ask for that? I think it needs to become a, a, a consistent part of our prayer life where every time we pray, God, I pray that I'd be a person. This is what I pray oh, almost every time I pray, not that I'm perfect and have it all figured out, but, but what I've read in the scriptures, I think this is a good thing that I do. So, you know, we need to, I, I pray every time I pray, God, I pray that I would be someone full of the fruit of your spirit and the gifts of your spirit. Every time, every time I go into prayer and I would hope and suggest that you guys adopt the same into your own prayer life. And I also want us to recognize if we find ourselves comparing in the kingdom, we're probably worried about the things of self and, and not the things of the spirit. If we find ourselves comparing in the kingdom, I'm worried about me. I'm not worried about the spirit. You good, Joe? Chilling? Praise God. So we learned there's, there's different gifts and the Spirit is the source of all of them, okay? So the Spirit has distributed, God through His Spirit has distributed gifts into you and into me. So let's answer the question, who are they for and what are they for? 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it laid it out really clear to all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. The gifts are for every believer, 
right? The gifts are for every believer. And the gifts exist to equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. And in doing this, we help each other. When I operate in my gifting and you operate in your gifting, we help each other. So we've already a few of the spiritual gifts the Holy Spirit gives us, right? Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, generosity, leadership, and mercy. That's what we read. The, the, the scripture said, if you have these, operate. You know, the, based on what God's distributed, the amount he's distributed you, operate in the fullness of that distribution. Then the question becomes, are these the only spiritual gifts? And the answer to that is no. As we read in the scriptures, we find out there is more. I thought about doing like the Sam Wow thing and saying, but wait, there's more, you know? <laughs> so 1 Corinthians 12, let's look, let's look. Verse seven, it's like in the greatest infomercial you've ever seen, come on. Wait, there's more spiritual gifts for you. Call now. <laughs> Pray for me. Uh, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So everybody say this, I have a gift. I may have more than one. Yeah, God give me more. Come on. A spiritual gift is given each of us. He is not a liar. His word is true. And maybe you've struggled with, I don't think I'm gifted. I don't know what my gift is. I don't know what I contribute. You have a gift to stop that. Okay, stop that. You have a gift. And maybe you need that spirit to illuminate, to bring clarity, to help you understand and receive what it is. But my guess is that you're already doing it and you don't even realize it. You've probably just been too distracted because you're comparing yourself to other people. Verse eight, to one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. Okay, cool. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. Now, some of these gifts, you can read them and you can even reflect on the life of Christ and you can see that Jesus operated in spiritual gifts. It's special knowledge. This is how Jesus sat down at a well and knew that a woman had all these husbands without knowing anything about her. It was revelation that even though they weren't there, this is how Jesus knew when, when he was collecting his disciples that so-and-so was under the tree. Special knowledge. The, the spirit to another, the spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. To someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. Another, the ability to prophesy. He gives some else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. It's all the spirit of God. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So the gifts that you have, you should have. Because the spirit has decided this, this gift is right for you. So here we find out, okay, there's wisdom, special knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, the gift of tongues, and the gift of interpretation. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, guess what? There's more. <laughs> Ephesians 4. Now these are the gifts Christ has gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility. Come on, we, we find out what these things are for. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church to help each other, right? To be effective in our kingdom work. 
to be the body of Christ, apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, teachers, pastors, teachers. So that's a lot of gift. It's a lot of gifts. The Holy Spirit produces and activates all these things in one body. And, you know, Hoff, I know you, you talked a little bit about this. You did skip some of the Greek at the end, so I'm going to talk about some of that, um, which fair enough, you know, 20 minutes before, not a whole lot of, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think the whole room would agree that, that some of these gifts are for today without a doubt. And then I think some of us might disagree that all of these gifts are for today. And depending, you know, and a lot of that is depending on what you've been taught, uh, depending on what denominations we come out of, what we've had involvement in. And maybe some of us have just seen some weird stuff where we're like, that ain't real, like, and that ain't God. We've either been, you know, taught that all these gifts exist for the believer today or that some do. And today, I just want to continue to clear the air. What is Destiny's Church's stance on what gifts are available for today? And two, more importantly, explain and reveal what the Bible teaches on the matter, which we don't just believe, this isn't just our opinion. This is what I've seen in the text. So before I address those two things, I'd just like to discuss, um, there, there's a lot of teachings that charismatic gifts are no longer for today. And maybe some of you come out of churches that have t- taught uh, you know, so some of those gifts exist, you know, we're going to pray for healing, but you know, something like tongues isn't for today or, you know, healings or, you know, there's no apostles today or whatever. And, uh, first Corinthians 13 specifically, I want to speak to specifically the charismatic gifts and why so many churches and so many believers think or, believe that these things aren't for the church today. And it's taken from a verse in 1 Corinthians 13. And it says this, love never ends. As for prophecy, they will pass away. Tongues, they will cease. And knowledge, special knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So what we see is a lot of churches have interpreted this verse that really the key word is the perfect, when the perfect comes. Um, what believers tend to disagree on it, when, when it comes to this topic is what the perfect represents in this verse. And those who believe that the charismatic gifts have ceased, primarily the gift of prophecy, tongues, and special knowledge, interpret the perfect as the closing of the canon. So the perfect is essentially the Holy Bible, okay? Um, Old and New Testament alike. And the thought process is now that we have the encapsulated, inerrant word of God, uh, there's simply no reason for God to continue speaking. And so his word has been finalized. There's, There's no reason for continued revelation. And any other claim that God is continuing to speak to believers today, which would be, he would be the one speaking in prophecy and tongues with interpretation and, you know, special knowledge. It's not permitted because the revelation of God's word is finalized in the Holy Bible, probably more specifically the King James Bible, just to be a little condescending. Okay, so the spirit will only, the the spirit will only distribute the gifts that don't encapsulate revelation from God. This is the thought process. But I think it's important to look at the original text and see that word, the perfect. What does it mean though? 
it, did it mean the Bible? Is, is that what it's saying? Because that sounds good. That sounds good. But I think it's important to point out that the Greek word that is used for the word the perfect is teleos. And it's the same word that's used when, when Christ's return is talked about, when Jesus comes back for the world and to judge the world, his return, that's, it's the same word that's used. Therefore, the scriptures are clearly teaching that those specific gifts will pass away and only pass away when Jesus comes back, not when the, when the canon is closed. So unless I miss something, Christ hasn't come back yet. Amen? Y'all seen them? Okay. Mark 17, 15 says these, Kim, you can come if you wouldn't mind. Mark 17 says these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. How can we neglect all these other scriptures? These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. Josh, bring them out. Come on. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. John 14, 12 says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. And this is what Peter was speaking to when he quoted in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit fell right? And then Peter gives this powerful sermon to everybody who's around and listening. And he says, in the last days, and we are in the last days, the last days are not over. We are still remaining in them right now. This is what he says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on who? All people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And after Peter finishes his sermon, love this, it says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, all right, brothers, what do we do? Peter, that was a good word. <laughs> we believe it. What do we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And who's that promise for? Who's that Holy Spirit for? Who's that gift for? This promise is to you, to your children, and all those far away in Destiny Church, Marshfield. And all those far away all who have been called by the Lord our God. So at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, after Paul explains how we all have a gift, we all play a role in the body, and our, and our, and our role in the body corresponds with the gifts that we've been given, um, you know, and, and the new gifts that we receive, Paul concludes his, uh, uh, some of that passage with this in verse 29. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 29. It's like, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? 
Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. So here's the deal. Are we going to have all the gifts? No. But I want to suggest that you should still desire them and still ask them because you may not know what God has for you. You may not know what God's going to distribute to you. And what I found is the best posture is this. Lord, if you have it for me, I want it. If there's more, I want it. But then I think it's so important. Check this out as as he continues on. He says, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And I I think we got to talk about this. And, and, And the passage bleeds into the first chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. It says this. Uh, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and, and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And I think for us, we have to remember that the Father was motivated by love when he gave his son Jesus for you and me. And he didn't give his son, you know, I don't think that the Father gave his son Jesus just to reconcile creation back to himself, although that's definitely, you know, the priority there. But I think in that, it wasn't only to to reconcile what's happening vertically, but I think it's also to reconcile what's happening horizontally between you and I. And so much of the role of his Holy Spirit is for the body to be complete, for me to walk in my role and for you to walk in yours. Amen? All right, come on, let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe.